0: Catherine Lopez-Luker. It is with great pleasure that I am able to announce that Simon & Schuster Publishing Company has given permission for this book to be read out loud and shared on Stories Come to Life until June 30, 2024. But of course, the episodes that fall under that special permission will all be taken down on that date, so listen now while they're available. While Nancy Drew was sleeping after her trying ordeal at night in the hidden staircase and subterranean passage, Nathan Gombert visited the Turnbull sisters and convinced them to sell the mansion to him at his price. Before they sign the final papers, it is vital that Nathan Gombert is brought to justice. Nancy Drew has her hands full as she needs to convince the sheriff to make the arrest. Here is the exciting conclusion of this second volume of Nancy Drew's adventures, The Hidden Staircase. Now sit back, relax, and listen to this story come to life. Nancy Drew, The Hidden Staircase, Chapter 22 The Next Move When Nancy Drew opened her eyes the following morning, the sun was streaming in at her bedroom window. A quick glance at the clock on her dresser disclosed that it was fifteen minutes past nine. (gasps) Horrors! she cried, springing from the bed. Why didn't Floretta or Rosemary awaken me? She was provoked with herself that she had overslept on a morning when she had so much to do although she had gone through a trying ordeal the night before. She was none the worse for the experience, and arose, feeling refreshed and eager for what the day might bring. Hastily dressing, she hurried downstairs to find that breakfast was waiting. "'You have no idea how sorry I am,' she apologized contritely. "'You shouldn't have waited for me.' "'It doesn't matter in the least,' Rosemary told her quietly." as the three sat down to the breakfast table. This may be the last breakfast we'll ever eat here. Why, what do you mean? Nancy glanced up quickly, and noticed the sad expression on the faces of the Turnbull sisters. Nathan Gomba was here this morning, Rosemary explained. Nancy's spoon clattered from her hand. He was here this morning? she asked in astonishment. "'Yes, he came to repeat the offer he made us some time ago for the house. "'But that wasn't an offer. It was a steal. "'But in the light of what has happened here, we can't expect to get much for the house.' "'You didn't sell?' Nancy questioned anxiously. "'We have made up our minds to give up the house.' "'Yes, we accepted his offer and told him that if he came back this afternoon we would sign the papers.' Then you haven't signed anything yet? Not yet, Rosemary responded listlessly. Oh, I'm so glad, Nancy cried impulsively. If you had, it would have spoiled everything. There is no need for you ever to leave your home, she added impressively. You see, I've solved the mystery at last. You've solved the mystery, Floretta demanded eagerly. You know what became of our silver urn? Oh, it's too good to be true. I can't lay hands on your urn this minute, Nancy told her, but I think I can get it within 24 hours. Don't keep us in suspense, Rosemary begged. Tell us everything. Is there really a ghost in our house? Nancy laughed. Nathan Gombat is the ghost, just as I suspected. Are you certain? Rosemary asked a trifle doubtfully. He has been our neighbor for years, and he offered to buy our house. That's just why he has been trying to frighten you, because he wanted to force you to sell at his price. I always thought Nathan was mean, but I had no idea he would do a thing like that, Florida said. Have you really the proof that he's the guilty party? Unless you have, we wouldn't dare accuse him. I'll show you my proof, Nancy declared. Come with me and I think you'll be convinced. Hurrying to the kitchen, she secured a supply of candles and then led the way to the attic. Wonderingly, Rosemary and Floretta followed. Nancy flung open the door and permitted the Turnbull sisters to enter first. I have discovered a hidden stairway, she informed them, as she flashed her candle in the direction of the old highboy. Rosemary and Floretta took one look and gasped in astonishment. The secret stairway was plainly revealed, for the trapdoor was open, just as Nancy had left it the night before. "'Whoever dreamed of a hidden staircase in our house?' Floretta demanded in excitement. "'There were rumors to that effect,' Rosemary admitted, "'but I never believed them. Just think how many times we've been in this attic.' and never discovered the trap door. It was very cleverly hidden, Nancy told them. I searched and couldn't find it myself from the outside. Where does the stairway lead? Florida asked, peering into the dark recess. It leads to a tunnel, which connects the mansion with Nathan Gombett's house. And he's been entering our house nightly by means of this staircase. Floretta questioned. I'm convinced of it. But how did you ever make the discovery? Rosemary broke in admiringly. Nancy then told the details of her harrowing experience in the Gombert residence. She ended by showing them the bump on her head, which had been caused by falling down the stone steps. You might have been killed, Floretta shuddered, and imagine going through that passage All alone in the dead of night. It must have been terrible. I never could have done it. I'll admit I didn't enjoy the experience, Nancy replied, but it was the only way to solve the mystery. Rosemary, who had been studying the entrance to the staircase meditatively, now turned to Nancy with a puzzled frown. There's one thing that isn't clear to me. I don't see how Nathan took our silver urn from the library managed to escape without being caught. In order to reach this staircase, it would be necessary for him to pass our bedrooms. Surely we would have heard him. That puzzles me too, Nancy admitted, but I have a theory which I intend to investigate this morning. I believe there must be another opening to this staircase on the floor below. Perhaps there's one in every room, Floretta speculated. "'It wouldn't surprise me to find one on every floor,' Nancy stated. "'But we searched thoroughly,' Rosemary protested. "'We went over every inch of the walls.' "'That's true, but I believe it will be easier to find the openings from the inside. "'I intend to enter the staircase again and try to find them. "'Last night I remember that several flights of stairs branched off from one landing.' I want to find out where they lead. Do you want to go with me? Certainly, Rosemary declared promptly. I have a great curiosity to see what the stairway is like. It's so old, we must be careful not to fall, Nancy warned her. One of the steps has rotted away entirely. As she spoke, she stepped through the opening into the passageway. Rosemary boldly followed. But Floretta hesitated uncertainly. What if the trap door should fall shut? she questioned anxiously. I'm sure it won't, Nancy reassured her. But even if it does, I can open it again. See, here is the hidden spring. She held her candle so that the beam illuminated the metal ring, which controlled the door. Still, Floretta hesitated. Do hurry, Rosemary commanded impatiently. There's no danger. Floretta folded her skirts tightly about her to prevent them from brushing against the dusty walls, and then timidly descended the first step. I don't like it, she choked. The dust is terrific, and the cobwebs, ugh. Nevertheless, she did not turn back. Cautiously, Nancy Drew led the way down the wooden stairs, taking care to avoid the broken step. At the landing, she selected one of the passages, which led in another direction, and descended the stairs until she came to another landing. As she flashed her light about, her keen eyes caught the gleam of a metal ring. She seized upon it eagerly. "'This must open a panel,' she cried in excitement. As she pulled upon the ring, the wall fell away, and to her amazement, She stepped into a closet, which was filled with garments. "'Where are we?' she demanded. "'Why, we must be in my room!' Floretta gasped. "'Now I understand what became of my silk dresses and the diamond pin.' "'It's clear Nathan must have entered the room by means of the secret panel in the closet,' Rosemary observed. "'But how did the canaries get in?' Floretta demanded. "'They might have flown through the passage.' and entered the room when the panel was open, Nancy suggested. That's very likely, Rosemary agreed. It's no wonder we thought the walls had ears. It's my opinion. Nathan has been hiding in the staircase, listening to everything we say. It frightens me to think of it. I feel confident it was Nathan Gombett who sent me the threatening letter advising me not to come to this house, Nancy declared. Can you remember whether or not you read my letter aloud after it arrived? Yes, we did, Florida responded quickly, and we were in this very bedroom, too. Nathan must have been listening and heard every word. It's clear enough now, Rosemary said caustically. That man thought he could frighten us from our home. To think we nearly sold the mansion to him. Shall we investigate the other passages? Nancy questioned. Our time is getting short, and I'm eager to find out where they lead. By all means, Rosemary agreed, without taking time to close the panel after them. The three descended the hidden stairway to the landing below, and there selected another flight of wooden stairs. We must be going down to the first floor now, Florid observed, as they cautiously descended. Watch out for the step! Nancy, who was ahead, called out in warning, "There's another broken one just ahead." The three avoided the hole in the flooring and continued down the staircase. At last, Nancy came to the end of the passage, but to her surprise could find no hidden panel. In vain she flashed her candle about over the walls and Floretta and Rosemary aided in the search. "That's funny," Nancy murmured in perplexity. I'm sure there must be an opening here somewhere. She glanced anxiously at her candle. It would not last many more minutes, and unless she wished to be plunged into darkness, she must return to the kitchen for another supply. Florida and Rosemary had used the last of their stock. The passage at this particular place was very narrow, and so low that a person could not stand upright without striking the top wall. Tired of the stooped position which she had been forced to endure for several minutes, Nancy straightened. Her head struck the top of the passageway. "'Ouch!' she exclaimed. To her astonishment, she heard a strange clicking noise. "'I believe I've discovered the panel!' she cried eagerly. While Rosemary held the candle, she examined the ceiling overhead and pushed upon it with all her strength. To her surprise, the wall gave way easily and lifted up. Nancy pushed the obstruction out of the way and thrust her head and shoulders through the opening. Curiously, she gazed about. She had come up through the sofa seat in the library. My word, she exclaimed. No wonder I never found the secret panel in this room. Who would have thought of looking in the sofa? She pulled herself up through the opening and then assisted Floretta and Rosemary, who were less athletic. Mercy, what next? Floretta gasped as she sank down into a chair and tried to regain her breath. Imagine living in this house all these years and never discovering anything wrong with that sofa, Rosemary commented. I see everything now, Nancy said slowly. That broken step, just before we came to the opening, Nathan must have fallen and cried out an alarm. And I feel certain there must be another opening in the sofa in the drawing room. I'm going to find out. Darting into the next room, she jerked the cushions from the sofa and lifted the baseboards. As she had suspected, there was an opening similar to the one in the library, which was just large enough for a person to squeeze through. That's how Nathan stole the silver urn! Floretta observed. He came up through the sofa seat in the library. "'How stupid of me not to think of looking there before,' Nancy said. "'Stupid? I think you've done extremely clever detective work as it is. Why, we've lived here for years and never dreamed of a hidden staircase. How shall we ever repay you for all you've done?' "'Oh, let's not think about that now,' Nancy said hastily, glancing at her watch." There's so much yet to be done. We must bring Nathan Gombett to justice if we can. I agree with you there, Florida cried feelingly. Go and call the police. We want him locked up. Nancy started toward the door. If he has an inkling of what we've discovered, he'll try to escape, she threw back over her shoulder. She hurried to the garage at the rear of the house and quickly backed her roadster out upon the drive. Rosemary and Floretta, not to be left behind, crowded in beside her. "'Oh, do you think the police will be able to capture him?' Floretta asked tremulously. "'I'll never feel safe again until I know he's behind prison bars.' "'I'm afraid we shouldn't have taken the time we did to investigate those passages,' Nancy returned quietly. "'But I wanted to be absolutely certain that Nathan Gombat was guilty.' before I turned him over to the authorities. With that, she shifted gears, and the car roared down the Cliffwood Road to disappear in a cloud of dust. Chapter 23 Notifying the Police Oh, if only we had installed a telephone at the mansion, Rosemary fretted, as Nancy Drew's roadster sped along over the smooth road toward Cliffwood. "'Isn't there any house along the road where we can stop to call the police?' Nancy questioned. "'It would save us considerable time.' Rosemary shook her head. "'There aren't any houses until we get almost into Cliffwood.' "'Then we might as well drive straight to the sheriff's office,' Nancy decided. "'It's only a short distance anyway. "'A few minutes' delay ought not to make such a big difference.' "'But it may,' Floretta declared uneasily." I believe Nathan is beginning to be suspicious. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to us this morning with the offer to buy the house. Nancy did not respond, but concentrated her attention upon the road before her. In exactly twelve minutes flat, she brought the automobile to a quivering halt in front of the sheriff's office. Switching off the engine, she sprang from the car and, with the Turnbull sisters close behind her, ran into the building. The sheriff, the picture of repose, with his feet comfortably placed on top of a roll-top desk, was laughing and talking with several men who were seated about the room. As Nancy Drew and the two women came in, he swung his feet to the floor and eyed them with respectful attention. "'Anything I can do for you?' he inquired, without mincing words." Nancy quickly told him of the strange things that had happened at the Turnbull house and of the discoveries she had made. At various points, Rosemary and Floretta corroborated her story. I want you to arrest Nathan Gombet Nancy ended. He is the guilty man. The sheriff scratched his head in perplexity. Well, I don't know what to say. Nathan Gombett is no friend of mine, and folks say he's a little queer but I never heard of his doing any harm. "'There's always a first time,' Rosemary snapped. "'He's just a clever crook, that's all,' Nancy declared impatiently. "'Don't you believe our story? We can show you the staircases.' "'Yes, I believe your story, all right,' the sheriff said hastily. "'But I don't dare proceed without evidence. You can't arrest a man unless you've got some proof he's guilty.' "'What more proof do you want?' Rosemary interposed tartly. "'Well, if you'd found the silver urn in his house or something like that.' "'If my father were here, he'd convince you all right,' Nancy said with rising temper. "'Your father?' "'Yes, Carson Drew.' "'You don't mean Carson Drew, the lawyer from River Heights. You're his daughter?' "'I am.' "'Well, that's different.' Why didn't you say so at first? What has that to do with the case? Well, I reckon a daughter of Carson Drew knows what she's about. If you say Nathan Gombat is a crook, I'll take your word for it. Well, it seems to me you've taken plenty of time to make up your mind, Nancy said sarcastically. The sheriff, thus goaded to action, turned to the other men in the room. His indolent manner fell from him. Come on, boys. He shouted. Turning to Nancy, he ordered, You lead the way and we'll follow. Nancy nodded and with Floretta and Rosemary hurried outside to the waiting roadster. I never could stand that sheriff, Rosemary commented. You can see now why we didn't like to put the matter in his hands before. He would have made a mess of it. I can see all right, Nancy admitted dryly. She sprang into the car and the Turnbull sisters climbed in beside her. She started the motor and waited impatiently for the sheriff and his deputies. The moment the police car was ready to leave, she shifted gears and was off. As the two cars raced down the side streets of Cliffwood, many passers-by turned to stare curiously after them. Nancy did not notice, for she was intent only upon one thing, and that was to reach the old stone house before Nathan Gombat had an opportunity to escape, or to hide the booty he had stolen from the Turnbull mansion. The sheriff may be stupid enough to refuse to arrest him unless he finds evidence on the place, she thought in disgust. She drove swiftly, and soon came within sight of the gloomy old stone house owned by the miser. Believing that it would be wisest to approach cautiously and not give an alarm, she slowed down. To her chagrin, the police car raced ahead and roared down the driveway. It came to a sudden halt in front of the house. The sheriff sprang from the automobile and turned to his men. "'Surround the house,' he ordered crisply. "'We won't take any chance on letting that old boy get away.' "'Oh, why does that sheriff have to be so dramatic?' Nancy murmured in alarm. "'After all this noise, it will be a wonder if Nathan Gombat doesn't slip through the secret tunnel and escape. That will ruin everything.' Impatiently, she opened the door of the roadster and started to get out. But Floretta held her back. "'Don't go,' she begged. "'There may be shooting.' Nancy permitted herself to be pulled back into the safety of the automobile. From there, the three watched the sheriff with misgiving. They saw him walk up to the back door and knock. When there was no response, he knocked again. He tried the door, but it was locked. Then he peeped in at the kitchen window. No one at home, he muttered in disgust, turning away. Nancy could stand it no longer. Springing from the roadster, she ran toward the sheriff. You can't expect Nathan Gombett to welcome you with open arms. After all the noise you made coming up the drive, she cried, he'd be more apt to welcome you with buckshot. He's probably watching now from an upstairs window. We'd all make good targets. The sheriff glanced anxiously upward and stepped closer to the house. It's a pretty serious business to go breaking into a man's house, he said somewhat crestfallen, unless you're mighty sure you've got the right man. Nathan Gombett is the right man. Well, maybe he is. I don't know. The sheriff's old doubt was returning to assail him anew. I suppose I could ram the door, but I don't like to do it. I'll assume the responsibility, Nancy said shortly. All right, we'll do it there's an easier way. How do you mean? Climb through the cellar window and get in that way. There's a stairway from the cellar leading to the kitchen. That's an idea. The sheriff motioned to his deputies, and Nancy led the way to the cellar window. One by one, the men crawled in. Nancy hesitated an instant, and then she followed. Silently, She indicated the stairs leading to the kitchen. The sheriff and his deputies crept quietly up to the landing, and there they paused and listened. The house was as silent as a tomb. Then, unmistakably, there was a slight shuffling sound, which seemed to come from the kitchen. The sheriff turned to a deputy near him and whispered into his ear, "'Did you hear that?' "'Yes, chief.' the deputy whispered in reply. There's someone hiding in the kitchen. Get set, boys. We'll see who it is. The sheriff placed his hand on the doorknob and gave it a quick turn. The latch clicked. As the sheriff thrust open the door, he started back involuntarily, for he stood looking straight into the muzzle of a sawed-off shotgun, held in the hand's of Gombat's old servant. Chapter 24 Nancy Leads the Way The old woman advanced threateningly, her face convulsed with rage. You git, she ordered, or I'll fill your system full lead." Somewhat sheepishly, the sheriff retreated. He dared not reach for his own revolver, which hung in its holster, lest the old woman carry out her threat. As he backed away, the servant slammed the door and locked it. I reckon we'll have to take the place by a storm, the sheriff muttered to his companions. She's locked the door. We'll have to ram it. And while we're doing it, she'll pepper us with shot, one of the deputies observed. I reckon you're right at that, the sheriff said slowly. I guess we'd better fire a volley through the door. We haven't any call to kill the woman, a deputy argued and a stray shot might hit her. We don't want to do that. That's so. Anyone have an idea how we can get into the house? I have, Nancy Drew announced quickly. I know of a secret passage which leads from the Turnbull mansion to an upstairs room of this house. Give me two men, and the rest stay here to keep watch. We'll get into the house through the passage and take her by surprise." That's an idea, the sheriff murmured. I'll go with you myself, he indicated one of the deputies. You come along too. The rest of you boys stay here. And make a little racket every so often to hold the attention of the old servant woman, Nancy suggested. When we get into the kitchen, I'll blow my police whistle, the sheriff added. When you hear it, rush up from below. The sheriff and the deputy assigned to the venture followed Nancy Drew from the cellar. They crept past the kitchen window and hurried toward the police car. There was no time for Nancy to stop to explain matters to Rosemary and Floretta. They sat huddled in the roadster where she had left them a few minutes before. They'll be safe enough so long as they stay in the car, the sheriff said as the three ran across the courtyard and sprang into the police car. That old woman isn't likely to make trouble unless she's bothered. The sheriff took the wheel. Drive to the Turnbull Mansion, Nancy directed. The police car sped rapidly down the road and up another and came to an abrupt halt in front of the mansion. Nancy tried the front door. To her relief, she found it unlocked. In their haste to reach the sheriff's office, the Turnbull sisters had neglected to fasten the doors and windows. Nancy opened the door and led the way into the library. Quickly lifting the cover of the sofa, she disclosed the hidden opening. Deftly, she lowered herself into it. The sheriff and deputy stared after her in astonishment. "'Well, what do you know about that?' the sheriff exclaimed. "'We're going through a secret passage,' Nancy explained hastily. "'Hurry!' she called impatiently. "'There's no time to lose.' Hesitating only a moment longer, The sheriff and the deputy likewise lowered themselves through the opening, into the hidden staircase. You know where you're going? The sheriff questioned doubtfully. Yes, Nancy returned. Watch these stairs, or you may take a tumble. As her eyes became more accustomed to the darkness, she moved rapidly down the staircase, warning the two behind her of treacherous steps. At last, she reached the lower level and paused, before what appeared to be a solid wall. Now what? the sheriff demanded. Nancy did not respond, but ran her hand over the wall in search of the tiny knob which would open the panel. She found it, and as she pushed firmly upon it, a portion of the wall swung back. Come on, she urged, stepping through the opening. The sheriff and his deputy followed. They turned and looked back uneasily as the panel grated shut behind them. What if we're locked in here? the sheriff questioned. We shan't be, Nancy told him quietly. I know the secret. The three rapidly descended the flight of stone steps and entered the tunnel, which led directly to the birdroom of Nathan Gombett's house. Reaching the end of the passage, she paused only long enough to warn the two officers that they were now within the house and must remain silent. Quickly ascending the stone steps, she groped about the walls, searching for the hidden spring which would open the panel. Look for a brass ring or a tiny knob, she directed the two men. They shone their flashlights over the wall, and even as she whispered the instruction, her hand struck a solid object on the wall. Eagerly she felt of it, and discovered it was a small metal ring, I've found it, she whispered in delight. She gave the ring a hard pull. And, to the amazement of the sheriff and his deputy, the secret panel opened. Nancy stepped out into the light and motioned for the two men to follow. She now stood in the closet of the bird room. Cautiously opening the closet door, she peered out. The coast is clear, she informed her companions quietly. Follow me. Softly, she tiptoed across the room and tried the door leading into the corridor. It was unlocked. Treading quietly down the hall, Nancy led the way to the stairs. Reaching the lower floor, Nancy Drew and the officers crept toward the kitchen, where the belligerent old servant had taken up her post. The sheriff listened for a moment at the inner door of the kitchen and peered through the keyhole. The old woman had not relinquished the gun, but stood before the basement door, making vehement threats. "'I'm a-waitin' for you," she muttered. "'You just make one pass through this door, and I'm going to lose control of my trigger finger. I'll fill you so full of buckshot that you'll look like a sieve, and I don't mean possibly.'" Satisfied that the old woman was occupied at the basement door, the sheriff quickly stepped into the room and covered her with his pistol. You're under arrest, he said sharply. The old woman turned suddenly and gazed into the muzzle of the sheriff's gun. She hesitated an instant, as if debating whether it would be wise to attempt resistance, then threw up her hands in surrender. The shotgun clattered to the floor. Nancy Drew, who by this time had rushed into the room, ran to the basement door and unlocked it. As the sheriff gave one short blast on his police whistle, the deputies who had been left stationed below burst into the kitchen. One of them caught up the shotgun from the floor and placed it out of reach. Another quickly slipped handcuffs on the woman's wrists. Now that we have her, what are we going to do with her? The sheriff asked bluntly. Nancy turned toward him. Sheriff, may I question the prisoner? "'Go ahead, but I'm afraid you may not get much out of her.' "'I'll try anyway,' Nancy said, smiling. She faced the old woman and demanded, "'Where is Nathan Gombat?' "'How come you ask me? I ain't keeping track of that man just because I work here.' "'You're not fooling anyone,' Nancy replied sharply. "'I know that you're not only Nathan Gombett's servant, "'but his partner in crime as well.' The woman assumed an innocent expression. How you talk? Crime? What do you mean, crime? I'm just an old woman who makes her vittles workin'. You can't bluff me with all your scary talk. I'm not bluffing. It will be best for you to tell us where he is. If you don't, you'll be behind bars within an hour. For doing what? For resisting an officer. Isn't that true, Sheriff? Yes, I reckon it is. The sheriff returned. The woman has laid herself open to imprisonment by trying to thwart justice. Now will you tell? Nancy looked straight into the old servant's eyes as she asked the question. For a moment the woman met her gaze defiantly, and then a frightened look came over her face and she began to whine. I'll tell, I'll tell. Please don't send me to no jail, she implored. Please, Mr Sheriff Then, if you don't want to go to jail, tell us where Nathan Gombat is hiding. The old woman eyed the girl sullenly for an instant, and then pointed to the floor above. Up there, she mumbled. He's up there with the prisoner. Prisoner? Nancy exclaimed, giving the sheriff a quick glance. What prisoner? The old woman stubbornly shook her head. We'll find out who you mean, Nancy declared she turned to the sheriff with decision. We must capture Nathan Gombett before he escapes. If he's upstairs, he may have heard us and tried to get away through the secret passage. He'll not get away, the sheriff assured her grimly. Delegating one man to remain below to guard the old servant, he ordered the other deputies to follow him. Nancy, who could not bear to remain behind, crept up the stairs after them. At the top landing, the party paused, undecided which way to go. As they hesitated, the sound of a harsh, rasping voice reached their ears. Listen, Nancy commanded in a tense whisper. Instantly she recognized the voice. It belonged to Nathan Gombat. As she listened intently, the man began to speak again, and she caught the words distinctly. I'll give you one minute, Carson Drew. If you don't sign that paper before then, I'll... <gasps> Nancy did not hear the rest of the threat, for Nathan's voice had dropped to a lower pitch. What could it mean? Had Nathan held her father a prisoner in the house? She turned frightened eyes toward the sheriff. They're in that room, she whispered, pointing to the chamber in which her father was imprisoned the sheriff nodded, and with his pistol held ready for instant use, moved softly toward the room. Quick as he was, Nancy was ahead of him. Without a thought for her own safety, now that she knew her father was in danger, she flung open the door. At a glance, she took in the situation. Her father, haggard and pale with suffering, was bound to a chair, and Nathan Gombat, A taunting grin on his evil face was bending over him. If you don't sign this paper, you'll never get out of here, he snarled. At the sound of the opening door, the miser wheeled about and saw Nancy Drew. As he instinctively retreated, she advanced. The police will have something to say to you, she said tensely. As Nancy Drew spoke, the sheriff and his men closed in around Nathan Gombat. Your game's up, the sheriff announced, covering the miser with his pistol. Chapter 25. Captured. Nathan Gombett's shifty eyes roved to the door, and suddenly he made a spring for it. One of the deputies caught him roughly by the arm and dragged him back. Oh, no, you don't. Handcuff him the sheriff ordered. The miser saw that escape was cut off entirely. As the realization came over him, he wilted and offered little resistance when the handcuffs were snapped upon his wrists. Nancy immediately lost interest in the miser and ran to her father. Frantically, she began to work at the ropes which bound him to the chair. "'Oh, Dad,' she murmured brokenly, "'are you hurt?' I'll be all right, Carson Drew forced a wan smile. Couldn't have stood it much longer, though, if you hadn't come just when you did. With the aid of one of the deputies, who had a knife, Nancy quickly cut the ropes and set her father free. In relief, he stretched his cramped limbs. Slowly getting upon his feet, he took a step forward and would have collapsed had Nancy not helped him. Wearily, he sat down upon the chair again. ''Legs feel paralyzed,'' he complained. ''Don't you want me to call a doctor?'' Nancy asked, as she began to rub the cramped muscles. Carson Drew shook his head. ''No, I'll be all right after a while. I'm just weak. If only I could have a glass of water. That fiend hasn't given me anything to eat or drink for more than 24 hours. My throat is parched. ''I shall get you a drink,'' Nancy cried. She darted from the room and hurried downstairs to the kitchen. Pumping a cold drink of water at the sink, she paused only long enough to step to the outside door and call Rosemary and Floretta Turnbull, who were still waiting anxiously in the roadster. They came in response to her summons and followed her upstairs. Tell us everything, Dad, Nancy begged as she gave her father a glass of water. Carson Drew set down the tumbler which he had emptied at one draft and fastened his eyes upon Nathan Gombat. That man induced me to come here by trickery, he explained, a hard glint coming into his eyes. He has tortured me here for several days, trying to force me to sign over money to him. Well, he won't try any more of his tricks, the sheriff broke in. We'll have him behind bars inside of twenty minutes, he turned to the prisoner. What have you to say for yourself? Nothing, Gombat muttered sullenly. Do you admit that you were trying to get money which did not belong to you? Carson Drew questioned sharply. Nathan Gombat did not reply. You'll talk all right when we get you to the station, the sheriff told him harshly. It's no use to deny your guilt. You're caught in the act. He picked up a piece of paper from the table and glanced at it. Is this the agreement he was trying to force you to sign, Mr. Drew? The lawyer nodded. Yes, he wanted me to turn over a large sum of money and then promise not to prosecute. The sheriff folded the paper and put it in his pocket. I'll just keep this for evidence. And, and don't forget, he tried to force us from our home, Rosemary Turnbull broke in. We intend to file a charge against him. I didn't mean no harm, Gombett grunted. Oh, no, Rosemary retorted sarcastically. I suppose those nightly visits of yours were merely friendly calls. I thought I saw an easy way to make a little money. I offered to buy your house. Yes, at your price, Florida sniffed. It was a cowardly trick to try to cheat two women, Carson Drew observed. He nearly succeeded, too, Rosemary declared feelingly. If it hadn't been for Nancy Drew, we would have been forced to give up our home. We couldn't have stood it there another day. For some time, Nancy had remained silent, but now she turned to the old miser. When did you first discover the hidden staircase? she questioned curiously. Nathan hesitated, as though debating whether or not to tell. You better make a clean breast of everything. It'll go easier with you if you do. The sheriff warned him. It was two months ago, Nathan muttered. Found the hidden spring by accident. You explored the staircase and discovered that it led to the Turnbull Mansion? Gombett nodded. How many openings are there into this house? Only the one room I keep my birds in. There's one more thing I want to know, Nancy continued. It was you who sent me the threatening note, warning me not to come to the Turnbull Mansion, wasn't it? "'Yes, I sent it.' "'How did you learn that I was going there?' "'Hid in the staircase and heard the old ladies talking about the letter you'd sent.' "'Just as I suspected. And now, where are the things you took from their house?' "'What things?' "'Oh, you needn't pretend!' Floretta broke in enraged. "'You took our silver urn and a diamond pin.' And a pocket book and a silver spoon to say nothing of Floretta's silk dresses," rosemary added severely. "I don't know what you're talking about." "Oh, yes, you do," Nancy told him quietly. "It won't do you any good to deny it, for we intend to search the house from cellar to garret. You may as well tell us what you've done with the things." Nathan Gombat debated the question silently, and then muttered reluctantly, "You'll find in my room. room is that? Straight across the hall. Nancy hurried from the room without waiting for more. Rosemary and Floretta followed her eagerly. As they flung open the door of the bedroom, they gave a little cry of pleasure, for on the dresser stood the silver urn. What a relief! Rosemary cried, rushing forward and snatching it up. It's a wonder he didn't try to dispose of it. Floretta? who had been investigating the closet, triumphantly brought out an armload of dresses. But where's the diamond pin? Rosemary demanded. That's the most valuable of all. Is this it? Nancy, who had opened a bureau drawer, held up a tiny object. Eagerly, Floretta reached for it. That's it? Oh, I'm so glad. And here's the spoon, Nancy continued, removing it from the drawer. And the pocketbook, though, the money is gone. Oh, we don't care about that, Rosemary said quickly. There wasn't much in the pocketbook anyway. Then everything is here, Nancy declared. Armed with the booty, the three returned to the chamber across the hall and disclosed their findings. It's a clear case of theft, all right, the sheriff said as he examined the articles. We'll take this fellow to jail and lock him up. He's a dangerous character and ought not to be at large. How about the servant? Nancy questioned. She's an accomplice, Mr. Drew put in. The sheriff grasped Nathan Gombat roughly by the arm and shoved him toward the door. Two of the deputies helped Carson Drew downstairs. The old miser and his servant were put into the police car, and the sheriff and his men drove away, leaving Nancy and her father to say goodbye to the Turnbull sisters. We'll see to it that the various openings into the staircase are boarded up, Rosemary told the lawyer. With Nathan in jail, we probably will never be bothered again. She regarded Carson Drew anxiously. You don't look a bit well. You're in no condition to return to River Heights tonight. I think I can make it, Carson Drew replied. Nonsense. You must spend the night at the mansion. Floretta and I will be delighted to have you. A good rest will do wonders for you. You need a good meal, too. To tell the truth, I don't feel very strong, the lawyer admitted. Are you certain it won't inconvenience you if I stay? Of course not. What a thing to ask, after all your daughter has done for us. No, it's all settled. You must stay at the mansion until you've recovered your strength. And we'll promise you there'll be no ghosts to trouble you, Floretta added with a laugh. So it was decided. Nancy helped her father into the roadster and drove him to the mansion. As soon as she saw that he was comfortably settled on the sofa, she returned for the Turnbull sisters. Although Carson Drew had suffered a great deal at the hands of Nathan Gombat, he had received no permanent injury. His strength gradually returned, and he began to walk with less difficulty. Food and rest accomplished wonders. After a good night's rest, he appeared at the breakfast table and announced that he felt able to travel. Oh, we were hoping you would stay another day, Floretta said regretfully, after the lawyer had announced his decision to return to River Heights that morning. I'm afraid I must go, the lawyer returned. My business has been neglected the past week, you know. By the way, have you heard anything more about Nathan Gombat? The entire story is in the morning papers. Rosemary turned to Nancy with a warm smile. Haven't you seen them? Not yet, Nancy admitted. You're certainly in the limelight, Floretta told her. Evidently, the reporters learned everything from the sheriff. Nancy caught up one of the papers, and as her eye scanned the story on the front page, a deep flush crept into her cheeks. Mercy, I don't deserve all the credit, she protested modestly. Indeed you do, Rosemary told her firmly. She glanced significantly at Floretta, who nodded firmly. I hardly know how to begin, she went on, addressing Nancy with some hesitation. But I want you to know how much Floretta and I appreciate what you've done for us. I was glad to do what little I could, Nancy declared graciously. It was really fun for me. I thoroughly enjoy a mystery, though, for a time, I thought this one would prove my undoing. We want to reward you for what you did, Rosemary went on earnestly. Oh, I don't want any reward, Nancy exclaimed. You know, we discussed that before. We were afraid you wouldn't take any money, Floretta sighed. So we've decided to give you a little gift as a remembrance, Rosemary continued. We want you to accept our silver urn. Your urn? Nancy gasped. Oh, I couldn't do that. Why, it's a highly valuable antique, and you prize it greatly. We want you to have it, Florida insisted stubbornly. We'll feel hurt if you don't take it. It will serve as a reminder of your adventure in the mansion, Rosemary coaxed. Please take it. As she spoke, she picked up a wrapped package from a table and handed it to nancy if you insist i'm afraid i can't refuse nancy said as she accepted the urn there's nothing in the world i'd rather have this will make my second trophy i'll keep it on the mantel with the clock after thanking the turnbull sisters for the gift and for their generous hospitality nancy and her father departed floretta and rosemary watched them until they had disappeared down the road For a time, Nancy and her father rode in silence. Then Carson Drew turned to his daughter with a look of deep admiration in his eyes. That was a neat piece of detective work you did, he said. Everything turned out all right, Nancy admitted. But when I was going through that dark tunnel the night I discovered it, I told myself I'd never dabble in another mystery as long as I lived if I ever got out of there alive. Do you intend to live up to that? (laughs) Not if I can help it. Now that you're safe and the mystery is solved, I'm aching for another one. I suppose that's all the good it'll be, though. Oh, I don't know, Mr. Drew smiled. This affair has won you quite a reputation. Indeed, Nancy Drew's days of adventure were by no means over. Before many months had elapsed, she was destined to be involved in another mystery case, Equally as baffling as the one she had just solved, readers who wish to follow her strange adventures may do so in the next volume of this series, entitled The Bungalow Mystery. But as Nancy Drew drove along the smooth road, she had no idea of what was in store for her, and so it was that a semi-melancholy expression settled over her face. Carson Drew, who noticed the look, laughed aloud. You're a true daughter of your old dad, all right, Nancy, pining for another mystery before you're well out of this one. Oh, I wasn't pining exactly, Nancy declared gaily, resolutely shaking off the mood of despondency which had claimed her for the moment. I just couldn't help thinking that perhaps this will be my last chance to solve a mystery. And I do enjoy detective work. Don't worry, "'Opportunity will come knocking at your door sooner than you expect,' "'her father told her lightly. "'A good detective is always in demand.' "'Meaning that I am that?' Nancy demanded, a happy light in her eyes. Carson Drew nodded and gazed tenderly upon his daughter. "'Meaning that I am mighty proud of you, Nancy. "'From this day on, I intend to turn over my mystery cases to you.' His eyes twinkled mischievously. "'As a detective,' You have me backed completely off the map. The end. This is your host, Catherine Lopez-Luker. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Stories Come to Life. Be sure to join us next time when we begin a new book. You can find a link to our podcast on the Marshall Public Library webpage, www.marshallpl.org. I'll talk to you again soon.